Before we get started, I wanted to remind you about First Take, Her Take, a new podcast with Charlie Anolt, Kimberly Martin, and Chinea Gumuke. This week, they discuss the latest headlines out of Bachelor Nation, as well as athletes making money moves. Check it out, along with Stephen A. Smith's new podcast, which features the best interviews from his new ESPN Plus show, Stephen A's World. You can find First Take, Her Take, and Stephen A's World wherever you get your podcasts or where you're listening to this podcast. Hello, welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Thursday afternoon. Thank you for understanding our new schedule, which is Tuesday and Friday releases to the pods, which means we tape on Mondays and Thursdays. Joining me from Boston, Massachusetts is Tim Bontemps. Hello, Brian. And that boo, there's only one boo with that baritone voice from Dallas, Texas, Ben McMahon. Howdy, partners. Tim, last night you covered the 76ers jazz game, went to overtime, highly entertaining game. But let me tell you what I thought was funny. People are always uh, messaging each other, LOL. This was um, LLOL, which is legit laugh out loud. When I saw this, I literally laughed out loud. Over the last, well, over the last two years, but specifically over the last two weeks, Joel Embiid has said on multiple occasions how important it would be for him to win the Defensive Player of the Year award this year. Uh, he said it again after the game last night, after he scored 40 on Rudy Gobert. Um, and he wants to win the Defensive Player of the Year award for several reasons. One, he thinks he deserves it. Two, it would qualify him for the Supermax extension, which he can sign next year. I think he's going to make All-NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, three, it would uh, it would jab Rudy Gobert because he doesn't like Rudy Gobert. And he's annoyed that Rudy Gobert has won it twice and also that he made All-NBA over him last year, which prevented him from being guaranteed the Supermax uh, already. So before the game, I believe it was before the game, you ask Doc Rivers a question about the Defensive Player of the Year. You say, Doc, and again, Joel is on the record how many times about Defensive Player of the Year? A A handful, at least. And Doc says... Yeah, I think defensive player of the year is between Ben Simmons and Rudy Gobert. Well, that's my thing. Is like you've got you've got two guys on one team that are both lobbying hard to be defensive player of the year, and I'm like, well, this must be the best defensive team in the league by a wide margin, and they're good, but they're fourth. If you've got two, the top two defensive player of the year candidates, shouldn't you have the best defense in the league? But- but he's totally gaslighting Joel there, isn't he, Von Temps? He, well, listen. He knows here, how he feels. Here's what here's what Doc Rivers is doing. I mean, the the funnier thing to be and to be clear, I didn't ask that question. I just tweeted out Doc's answer oh. because of how this oh, was going. Okay. But right. uh, after the game, Doc Rivers, with a straight face, said, uh, "I never do any campaigning," which uh, is mm-hmm. a laughable <laughs> statement. Uh, God bless Doc. He only ever campaigns, including before the game when he campaigned for Ben Simmons to win Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, look, Ben Simmons can't win MVP, right? Joel Embiid can. So Doc Rivers is campaigning for both of his guys. Uh, and is Joel Embiid happy that, uh, Doc Rivers is not campaigning for him to be defensive player of the year and MVP? Probably not. Uh, but Joel Embiid is in my opinion so far, the MVP of the league and he can win MVP of the league and Ben Simmons can't. So Doc Rivers, because he loves to campaign, despite his protestations otherwise, has to find another way to campaign for Ben, which is why he's doing it that way. He mentions Gobert, which you know, you know is a tweak to Joel. Well, the the way this all got set up was just somebody asked about uh, somebody, because they're playing against Gobert, somebody asked about Gobert and then Ben and Joel's defensive ability. So Doc then said, well, yeah, Joel is great. And then he goes, but yeah, I think that, Simmons should be ahead of Gobert and they should be one, two in the defensive player of the year voting, which again, like it's, it's just, it's just, all, it's just, all absurd. I, By the way, I, it's not I, the I love the award, vo- the award lobbying before the all-star. Before the all-star like, when yeah, when did we start lobbying for awards when, when teams are, you know, four and one and we're five games be, into the season? Like because, what the hell? Because this is the modern NBA. We, we awards are discussed all year long. Well, LeBron started lobbying for it last year in the bubble. So exactly. Well, yes, and again, and again, Joel, Joel has been going back to December. Joel Embiid 
has been on a campaign to rectify the wrongs of last season, right? He told Jackie McMullen his, his perceived wrongs. His perceived wrongs. That's yes, his perceived wrongs. To be clear, he told Jackie McMullen in December, "I can understand why Nikola Jokic made All NBA over me. I can understand why Anthony Davis made All NBA over me. I'm better than Rudy Gobert. He shouldn't have made All NBA over me." So ever since then, he's been saying he should be All NBA. He should be. You know, he thinks he can win MVP of the league. He thinks he should be Defensive Player of the Year. And you know, that's been his consistent refrain for weeks. So. Needless to say, after he had 40 and 19 and went through Gobert a bunch of times down the stretch and hit a game tie in three and won the game, he was feeling very chesty. And uh, and got Donald Mitchell teed up. I mean, that was like – he not only dominated oh, yes. the, the again, performance again, of the player, remember, but that was great refereeing. Was that last year or was that two years ago where Donovan like went to the basket, Joel blocked him at the rim and then like stared him down and Donovan mm-hmm. – Got up and shoved him, and Joel fell. Yes. He like flopped. Yeah, yes. Donovan get... Mitchell, the most mild mannered star in the league, probably. Look, it's probably not going to be the NBA Finals just because of, for you know, from an odd standpoint. But if we somehow got a Jazz Sixers Finals between yeah, the Embiid and between the Embiid and Gobert stuff, and between the Donovan Mitchell and Ben Simmons stuff, which is also real, and they were getting into it last night, going mm-hmm. back to the Rookie of the Year chase a few years ago, that would be an incredible series. And they've been, they've been, even though Embiid didn't play the first game, both times they played this year have been really, really fun games. Yep. Uh, by really the way, when you game. when you said you you thought it was going to be a legit uh, LOL, I thought you were going to talk about Donovan Mitchell all pissed off, slamming the uh, the water cooler on the way out, and then apologizing to the security guard because it landed close to him. <laughs> it was that, it, that was a great game and a more a more incredible post game. It was a truly oh my truly wild night, truly wild night. I would say right now, uh, just a memo to the players, I'm not taking sides or whatever. Every situation is a little bit different. Referees are given the second tech a little quick. Well, and and, and that's something. To, to listen, the league's got to – they've got to handle – like the Booker ejection the other night, the Suns still ended up winning the game, but that was ridiculous. I'm sorry. If you're refereeing in the NBA, nobody is tuning in to watch you understand people tune in to watch stars and just you know if they're going to get tossed make sure they absolutely earn it you can't give a soft second tech yeah and i think donovan earned his last night i mean the the jazz the jazz definitely melted down a bit because of the officiating in overtime and you know frankly half the team could have got a technical on the first one donovan got a technical on i mean rudy gobert did this like amazing like shimmy shuffle thing like all the way across the like, court like, like a high step leg kick thing yeah i mean i, I don't I mean, know what... hey listen they should have teed up mike conley give him his first uh, i mean he uh, yeah i mean the whole, the entire team went insane and joel was running around to your point you know doing the technical sign until they called it which was amazing but then donovan goes down the other end and didn't get a call on a jumper and clearly came back and was trying to get uh, a second one and got it. I mean, he just lost. Well, and, 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 and by that point, you know, the, the game was over. I was speaking more to the Booker thing the other night. No, for sure. I just ridiculous for sure. For sure. And that was, that was, and the, the amazing thing about that one that you rarely ever see is that that was two different refs calling texts in about three seconds. Usually it's even, one guy. Even more amazing. It was the youngest official. First off, one of the most veteran officials in the league, probably one of the top three or four most veteran officials, Mark Davis was on the crew he didn't call either tech. Well, and he's the one who who uh, Booker threw the ball to, right? Uh, Quick bounce pass. Well, Tyler Ford, the guy who called the first one, is is got a pretty notorious quick trick. Well, and, and I want I want a study done, and and this guy is the inspiration for that study. I want a study done to see if there's a, a correlation between height. And technicals rewarded. I, my my theory based on that. Wait, dude that is, is spoken like a guy who's six foot four or whatever you six, are. Six five in the high school program. Right. And, my, and the my, guy who's okay, the other guy in this pot who's six four is laughing. My, my theory is the shorter the ref is, the quicker the trigger they have. That's just a theory. Just well, listen, I guarantee you that guy, uh, you know, well, Tyler, well, Ford, Mott, Tyler Ford and Cade Fitzgerald both have quick triggers. That's I think Rodney Mott leads like NBA history, or at least the last. 15 years in Texas, and he's over six foot so but wow that was some scandalous stuff. listen you just I'm, I, 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 I just it's a it's a 
a hypothesis, which is the biggest word that I know. It's you're, just you're, something you're making, I, I want. You're making vague references to Joy Crawford without even saying it. <laughs> I, I want I want Kevin Pelton to to get in his nerd machine and give me the numbers. Speaking Kevin of Pelton, a short little fella, I would say also under six foot. Um, I'm going to say this about the referees. They're dealing. They're living in a world right now where they're not flying private. They're not. Mm, yeah. Uh, you know, their situation is different. Um, the, the, the strange thing about the league and like, I'm not make I'm not being critical about the league at all. They are, they are flying by the seat of their pants. They are trying to get from Wednesday to Thursday, from Thursday to Friday They're You know, I'm, I'm not saying I could do it better, but it, it is remarkable. in all of these making it up as they go, like the officials are out there not wearing masks. The coaches like, get fined or get slapped on the wrist or whatever. And they're, they're, they're making all of these, you know, new rules about players staying away from each other. And now when a player comes out, he's got to sit over there and, you know, you've got to wear the, the high end mask or whatever. The officials are out there flying commercial, going through all the airports and blah, blah, blah. And they're out there with no masks. And I'm, you know, like, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I don't know about encore transmission. I'm just saying. Well, you know, and I, I will, I will, I think you make a fair point there. Refereeing is never maybe a fun job, but I would be pretty damn stressed out if I'm flying commercials, staying in hotels. Like we're, we're not traveling right now. And I'm glad I don't want to be traveling under these circumstances. That would be pretty stressful. And you know what? They, uh, even though there's crowds now, and I guess about half the arenas, there's they're you know fraction of the normal crowds. They definitely are able to hear everything, and including a lot of things that maybe they they weren't able to hear under normal circumstances. All right, well that's I just got a kick out of that. By the way, Ben Simmons has been great defensively. I mean, he's legitimate candidate for the award. I'm not that's not out of line. It's just you know that Joel it means so much to him. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. So um, one thing that uh, I've started to take notice of, especially with the Rockets on this losing streak mm-hmm. uh, and the Timberwolves, who are frankly horrible. Yeah. And not that I expected the coaching change to make a big difference, but I think they're 0-5 since the coaching change. And well, I believe so- said that was the worst job in the history of humankind. So, Boy, that's a exaggeration. I said it was the worst coaching job I had seen in my 18 years covering the league. Yeah, the worst job, the worst job is your editor, Bon Temps, but worst coaching job. Um, and that was before Beasley got suspended for 12 games, by the way. Malik Beasley, who's been having a good year for them, one of the few bright spots. Um, I think Chris, and it's not against Chris Finch. He has no I mean, I went over this already. Yeah. So I'm starting to look at a couple of things here and starting to put some stuff together and realizing what's developing here. So Timberwolves, who are who are dead last in the league, I think they're like seven and twenty-seven or something like that. Seven and twenty-nine. Their pick they're under the Mendoza line, one ninety-four winning percentage. Oof, oof. Their pick is top three protected, uh, which makes their situation in the lottery pretty damn interesting because they either are going to get a pick or not have a pick in this draft. In Houston's case. Houston's pick, they have their pick, but they have a they, pick. They have to swap it with either Oklahoma City or Miami. So the way the trade went down with the, the, the Russell Westbrook trade, Oklahoma City 
can either swap the pick that they have with Houston or Miami's pick with Houston. And this so, this is the Rockets' worst nightmare because this is a ah, okay, fine. We'll go ahead and and throw this in. We'll have Russ and James. You know, our pick will be somewhere in the twenties. Mm. Nope, not not the way okay, things worked so, out. So that so let me just say what the dynamic is. The next two years that the Rockets have is you know they're rebuilding. They can say whatever they want to say, but no, they're rebuilding. Obviously. The next two years, their picks, they have free and clear. They completely control 22 and 23. So they have some wiggle room there. The As far as I know, the pick swap does not carry over. You either use it this year, like if it's not available. That is anyway, correct. The pick, the pick swap is top four protected. Mm-hmm. So if the Rockets get into the top four, like wh- where do we think the Heat are going to finish? Let's just ballpark. Let, yeah, are the Heat going to have. I think the, the Heat will be. Pick? Yeah, I, the Heat. Somewhere I in think the will end up, They'll be Somewhere they'll be the, the fourth. They'll be fourth or fifth in the West when it all shakes out. Okay. Well, they'll be fourth or fifth in the East by your yeah. That's there, what bro. Right. Good geography. Right. Well, let's just say that they're, let's just say that the Heat have the 18th pick. Sure. Okay? Got a tough time so, to do. So <laughs> so the Rockets are looking at possibly the difference between having the fifth pick or sixth pick, and the you know in other words, if they get out of the top four, they'd have to go from five or six or seven to flopping it to 18. No, the, the Rockets, they're either going to be top four or latter half of the draft. Right. But my point is like, they're going to either lose the fifth or sixth pick mm-hmm. and lose it out. That's like their worst case scenario. Yep. Their best case scenario is that they get into the top four there with a higher lottery odds and they get to draft one of the guys in this draft who is believed to be a difference maker. And where so, are the Rockets right now in terms of records? The, third, I don't know where they are at the minute, but they're headed towards the bottom. They've lost 12 they're, in a row. They, they're 13, but who's counting? They are the third, they have the third worst record in the league right now. And so you've got, like you said, you've got uh, Minnesota, you've got Detroit at 10 and 25, and then the Rockets at 11 and 23. Uh, this was a team that was a game above 500. Christian Wood went down. They haven't won since. Christian Wood He's is coming come back, back after, after the All-Star break. Mm-hmm. Now, Bontemps, there's the other side of this as well. Okay, so obviously the Warriors who have Minnesota's pick, they get the fourth or fifth pick for Minnesota. They're still going to be a big-time player at four or five, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is a draft where, you know, there's, you know, five guys that are considered to be Real studs that would have been, you know, arguably the number one pick in this year's draft. You've got Cade Cunningham at Oklahoma State, you've got Jalen Suggs at Gonzaga, you've got Evan Mobley at USC, and then you've got the two kids with the Ignite team, Jalen Green and Jonathan Kuminga. I mean, those are five guys that would have been, you know, at least in contention and very well might have been the number one pick in this year's draft. They're all going to be in this draft. And so, o- Oklahoma City is in line to maybe get two of them. That's right. Oklahoma City could get two of them. Golden State could add one of them to a mix of, two of guys them. they have. If they get lucky with their pick in the lottery. <laughs> I mean, remember, Golden State might miss the playoffs and they might get their own lottery pick might move up. Yep, that's true. I mean, it's, Golden State could potentially have two lottery picks too as well. I mean, it, it's got it, it. I mean, this draft lottery is going to have as much juice as any since Jerry West was sitting there on the dais for the Memphis Grizzlies in 2003. Uh, and Memphis was either going to get LeBron James with the first pick or not get any pick. And they were sitting there with the second pick, and they gave it to Detroit in what was a loaded draft. And Detroit obviously did not take one of the four the reason you're saying it's much juice is because of the skin in the game. Obviously, there's been there's been lotteries where finishing. Right, but Jerry West, right? Jerry West was sitting there, and he was, was either going to LeBron get, or nothing. And LeBron and the, and the team that was going to get one of these top five picks in this draft was Detroit, which was already a great team. And obviously they drafted the one guy in the top five of that 2003 draft who was not a Hall of Famer. Um, and th- who knows how things would have gone if they drafted one of the other four. But it's it's got that it's going to have that kind of potential because, like McMahon said, you're going to have Minnesota and Houston all but certainly down there among the bottom few teams in the league. And then you're going to have Houston. Oklahoma City and the, and the Warriors sitting there hoping to take advantage of them falling out of the top three or four. Houston could be sitting there going, we're going to get a top four pick or draft at 18. And Minnesota's going to be like, we're going to either get – this pick uh, a top three player or draft nobody and golden state and Oklahoma city are going to be like, we're either going to get a second really good pick, maybe five or six, four, five or six, or we're not going to get that at all this year. I mean, the stakes are shaping up to be pretty significant. McMahon, the rocket, the, here's the thing about the rock. So 
the, the strange thing about these two teams is they're not tanking. They because they don't control their pick. Like I mean, Minnesota wasn't to tanking at all this year, but like th- this year's been a disaster for Minnesota. They're not like sitting guys down. They're just freaking awful. And the Rockets the other night they played John Wall forty two minutes. They played Victor Oladipo coming off of a, a quad injury forty one minutes or something. The Rockets aren't taking either. Well, they don't have anybody else to play. <laughs> they only they only had eight guys available last night. Um, and honestly, right now, are there? Yeah, they're not tanking just because, dude. You don't want to have a 13, 14, 18, 20 game losing streak. You want to snap the streak. But okay, so, listen, yeah, but I mean, what about the rest me, of the do, do you, Well, let's just, first of all, let's see how much longer PJ Tucker's on that roster. Let's see how much longer Victor Oladipo's on that roster. You know, I. I Boy, John Wall, you got to protect that knee. Might want to start uh, you know, nice off. Yeah. Uh, I. I would be very surprised if the Rockets make winning the clear priority for the remainder of the season. I'll, I'll put it to you like that. It, 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 why, why would they? It makes no sense. They have no. I'll tell you why they would. I'll tell you why they would. Because they're an organization. I mean, when they were playing well in January, when they had it going there for a little bit, and granted, they've had some bad luck since then. You know, but like you could feel their pride. Yeah, they are a prideful you know? organization. They're also a realistic I'm organization. I'm being kind by saying pride. Yes. By the way. Well, it's the other the other out. the other factor here too is that it I, I'm not going to say it doesn't matter because obviously if you're in the top four, you have a better chance of being in the top three or four of the draft than if you're lower. But with the new lottery odds and the way they've been flattened out, it doesn't really matter that much if you finish sixth or fourth or eighth or fifth. Right. Like it's it's not the the difference is much smaller yeah. than it used to be. And so if you are a team like Houston, if you they they can try to push a little bit for pride's sake if they want. And maybe they finish fifth or sixth instead of second or third, but ultimately the chances of them moving up in the draft are still going to be about the same. They're still going to be more likely than not to give away their pick. Well, right? and you don't wanna you don't wanna create a culture where you know, it's just blatant tankery, but you know, uh, again, they're going to, they will make trades that are obviously future focused. Hold on a minute though. If you have the worst record in the league, what's the worst pick? Oh, I guess you have, you can still get five. That's right. You can see, yeah, you can still, you still if, if you have the worst record in the league, right. Your, your most likely drafting position is fifth. So, it, that that is the situation. Now, look. Obviously, if you have one of those t- four worst records under the new system, you have the best chances of being in the top four and keeping your pick. But it's not like it used to be, where if you had the worst record in the league, you had a twenty five percent chance of not being in the lottery but winning the lottery. Right. right? That's no longer the case. Now, I think the top four all have like a twelve percent chance of winning the lottery, a thirteen percent chance of winning the lottery, let alone keeping their pick. So this is one of the consequences of flattening out those odds. And on the other end, it's the same reason why you're probably not going to see a lot of teams, you know, rush into dump players to try to fall in the standings instead of trying to get one of these playing spots. Because hell, if you're going to, if you have the eighth or ninth spot in the lottery, we've seen the last three years, that spot has jumped up in the draft now. So those teams might as well try to make the playoffs. If they don't, they've still got a good chance to get up in the top four and get one of these young studs. Yeah. So I think, maybe more than what actually happens on the court over the next couple of months, the actual lottery itself, which is always intriguing for various reasons, but this year, not only because there's some studs in this draft, but because of the all or nothing options. And not only that, but how they could supercharge. I mean, Oklahoma city ends up with two top five picks in this draft. To go with Shea Gilgis Alexander, remember. It's not like yeah. they're starting from zero. And right. Lou Dort. And, and and Golden State ends up with two lottery picks with Clay coming back. I mean, I even, if, even if they be. make the even if they make the playoffs, if they end up with a if they end up with what, the fourth or fifth pick in this draft to go with um to go with the other to go with James Wiseman, to go with Steph and Draymond and Clay, I mean, they're gonna be in business. 
And that's the thing about the, the Wolves situation here is they, they like at least the Rockets, if they get picked in lottery and bump up in one of those four spots, they keep their pick no matter what. Minnesota could get their ping pong balls picked out of there and finish fourth and still give their pick away anyway. So one thing I would say, yeah, you're right. So one thing I'd say about the Warriors where they're in a little, they're in an interesting situation. If Minnesota's pick does not convey uh, this year, let's say Minnesota get, ends up in the top three, they, the pick next year becomes unprotected. And while granted Minnesota would then be in position to make a high draft pick, I don't think Minnesota's fortunes are improving dramatically. That still potentially could be valuable, although. Well, you say that, but the Boston Celtics thought they were going to get really valuable picks from the Memphis Grizzlies and the Sacramento Kings, and they both yeah, finished. They both, the 14th pick, they both were the 14th pick. They both were the 14th pick in the draft. And if the Minnesota Timberwolves get Cade Cunningham in the draft, they're they're not going to. They're almost certainly not going to be one of the five worst teams next year. So, well, well, well no. mm, I'm mm. very. It's very. It's very unusual for a rookie to influence winning and losing. Yeah, Lamella Ball is, but it is very unusual. A little. He's not, I mean, a little. Boy. I mean, he's doing more. Lamella Ball is, he's, he's, yeah. Dude, clutch offense, they are running through him, and he's, and he delivers. I mean, that dude is. He single-handedly changed the game and beat the Phoenix Suns, who are one of the best teams in the league within the last week. Individual games where that's true. But if you go back and look at the last 20 years, uh, and we'll see where the Hornets. I mean, one of the reasons why the Hornets are better is because they got Gordon Hayward too. But yeah. um, uh, you go to back play, and look at the to, last to, to spot up while clutch offense runs through the mellow. He's doing a good job. Well, he was never going to be their clutch offensive operator. But um, if you go back and look at the last twenty years, um, it's it's unusual for a rookie. Now there's a couple like even like LeBron doubled the Cavs' win total, but they didn't make the playoffs. Right. Yeah, well, I'll go uh, back to the last two years. Ja Morant two years ago was great for Memphis, and they had the they, and they barely made the they barely missed the playoffs. Three years ago, Luca it was immediately a difference maker for Dallas, and uh, Dallas still stunk that year though. They still right, stunk, but, but they were better. The no, I didn't say, I, but I didn't say, I didn't say that the, the Wolves were going right. to make the playoffs. You're right. You're right. I said they You're weren't right. going to be one of the five worst teams in the league. You're right. You know, so the, right. that's these guys are good enough in this draft. They should be able but, to come in and make some impact right to, away. Just to compare it to Oklahoma City, Oklahoma City loses that asset. They don't like they, you know, the the, the swap doesn't carry over. Or whatever. That's right. Golden State at least or, has or, the option to get something. Where Golden State, where Oklahoma City does not. To be fair, that's right. So I know it's early to be talking. We we were joking about talking about awards early, uh, and I know it's early to be talking about the lottery, but I can't help it. You know, watching how this is lining up. Well, the teams involved are watching. They're the the teams involved. They're watching these prospects and they're watching the standings every day. And they're they're studying they're studying how it's going to go. And they're they're seeing where their picks going to wind up. And they're thinking about who they might have or who they might not have every day. All right. Well, speaking about, uh, I should have done this earlier, but you know, I'm not the best host. You could find a better host, I'm sure. Our trivia question this week, and of course, trivia question is brought to you by Carmax as the entire. Hoop Collective Podcast is brought to you by CarMax. Don't just buy a car. Love your car with the new CarMax Love Your Car Guarantee. This week's trivia question was given to me by Bontemps, so it's just for you, McMahon. Oh. And it involves Joel Embiid. A lot of pressure. Like I said, if I was if I was smarter, I would have brought it up earlier. Uh, I mentioned this on the last podcast. Um, I said Joel Embiid, is, uh, he was the first Philadelphia 76er to, to average 30 points and 10 rebounds in a month since, uh, since Charles Barkley back in 1990. So Joel Embiid is the fifth player to average 30 points and 10 rebounds at the All-Star break in the last 35 seasons. Fifth in the last 35. Okay, okay, okay. Um, The last two won the MVP. So I'll start with that. You can try to to name the other four, but if you can just say the last two who won the MVP. Shaq? um, No. Shaq is incorrect. Giannis? Giannis last year. Is one okay? Uh, not mm, hmm. Thirty and ten. Okay, okay, okay. I'm trying to think. Other bi- thirty uh, points and ten rebounds. Man, thirty's a big ass number. Um, the other guy who won MVP, you thought should win it. <laughs> That's not that great of a hint. I wow. thought should win it. Yeah. Okay. Great. He's a great clutch player that season. Oh, oh um, uh, Russ. 
Yeah, that's it. Russ, I was yeah, trying I was, not to give was, you the most. Yeah, I'll I was trying not to give you the most obvious hand. I was going through big. I'm thinking like, well, Duncan never. That was the 30. trick question of it. When you were thinking ten rebounds, you're yeah. thinking big. I, yeah. I wasn't going to give you the most obvious hint that he was uh, that he was a triple double guy that year. The other two guys were power forwards uh, of the last generation in the, in the, in the '90s. Yeah, who were those? I, well, I mentioned Barkley. You know, he averaged up average in that too. And then in 1989-90, Carl Malone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, over the last 35 years, obviously, you go back to Wilt and stuff. Uh, you're seeing stuff like no, that. Wilt but um, the first half. <laughs> you're not kidding. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I will say when Bontemps put out his MVP, uh, for his, his first MVP straw poll, which was what, three weeks ago? Or two weeks ago, Tim? Two, three weeks yeah. ago, yeah. You said right off the bat that you, based on everything that you you saw, you thought Embiid would win, and you're sticking with that. And I, your position with the Lakers struggling without without mm-hmm. Anthony Davis. It's not that LeBron's played poorly, but the Lakers have lost six of eight, and Anthony Davis is still going to be out for. A while. I still think he's going to be out. He hasn't done anything as far as I know, so I don't think he. Like I know people were saying he'll come back after the break. I, I don't think it's going to be immediately after the break. So they're still going to have. Some games left. I mean, um, Embiid's uh, star has risen. Oh, I, um, listen, my my vote would be, and again, we're, it's still ridiculously premature, but I would go Embiid now. And last night, it's a shame that was a league pass game because that was, I mean, that was an unbelievable game against the two teams leading the conferences. But for him to go 40 and 19 and make some of the clutch plays he did last night, that was a you know mid-season MVP statement uh, kind of game. Now, the thing with Embiid, obviously, is – he has to stay healthy. He can't be missing 10 or 15 games. Like he, And like if he wants to whine about last year's uh, All-NBA, he missed a bunch of games. He's also, while he's said he should have got it, he's also said you have to, to be fair, every time he's talked about this, he said you got to win games. If you win games, it'll take care of itself. And, you know, they're and you have to play. Leading. You have to play games. You also have to play. You also have to play. But he's playing, and uh, he's playing a lot, if not quite yeah. every game. And they're leading the East. And if right. they finish the season leading the East uh, and he stays healthy and is able to stay on the court, he's going to be right there in the mix. No question. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. For the ones who get it done, Ranger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click ranger.com or just stop by. All right, so one thing, another thing that's developing, and this is more apropos to the time on the calendar, McMahon, so you'll be happy about that. Trade deadline's coming up in three weeks. Why don't you Um, pronounce the S in apropos? (laughs) Pure Texan. The trade deadline's coming up, and you know the, the market's pretty thin right now. But the name that's getting discussed a little bit, there was a report out of Philly within the last week that sort of blew it up a little bit. And the name I think is going to be a fascinating name who might not get traded is a team on your beat, um, Bon Temps, and a guy that you've covered a lot uh, over the last few years, um, all these Toronto playoff runs. And I'm telling you, I've done Toronto radio. I do Toronto radio at least once a week, and it's the predominant, it's the primary question I get asked about is what are the Raptors going to do with Kyle Lowry? And there's two things here that are going to be fascinating. One, the Raptors' decision. Lowry is going to be a free agent. His future there is uncertain. They've already you know, given the money to Fred Van Vliet as their lead guard of the future, which is the correct decision. He will be their lead guard of the future. Um, but not only with Lowry in Toronto, but 
where Lowry could potentially be traded and the impact it could have in the title race. I think it's going to be a big topic of conversation and something that um, a lot of teams are going to be watching. How do you see it breaking down, Bontemps? Well, I, I agree with you, Brian, in the sense that I think Kyle Lowry could be the single most important person in the league between now and the trade deadline. Because as we have talked about a lot over the past few weeks, there's not a lot of guys who are going to be available as of now, right? You know, Bradley Beal is all but certainly not going to be traded. And we've seen, you know, all these guys, I mean, how many times have we talked about over the past 18 months, the, the cavalcade of guys who've gotten traded, right? James Harden has already been traded. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, Anthony Davis, Paul George, you know, you go down the list. All these guys have changed teams. And all these teams that you've written about multiple times have all traded a ton of picks, right? The Nets have traded all their picks. The Lakers have traded all their picks. The Clippers have traded all their picks. The Bucks have traded all their picks. So the combination of these contenders not having a lot of ammo to go out and get players and not a lot of players being available makes Kyle a fascinating guy to watch here. Who also makes weeks. 30 million. Who's hard to just hard to trade. It's, anyway, it's, it's very, million. that's right. It's hard to trade his salary because he makes 30 million and you know, his situation is really interesting. I mean, he is the best Raptor in the history of that franchise. You know, obviously Kawhi Leonard was a better player for the one season he was there. Um, you know, Vince Carter had a great run there too, but you know, Kyle is the best player in the history of that franchise. He's the guy who will have his jersey number retired first, probably. Um, he's obviously was the heart and soul of the team that won you, the title a couple years Kawhi's ago. Jersey there? I they, don't, they don't have a they don't have see some teams set a standard and the standard's kind of low, and some teams set a standard and the standard's very high. The Raptors haven't retired any jerseys to my knowledge, so they don't they have not have a standard. They have not. I suspect. I suspect at this point they'll retire three, which are Vince Carter, Demar, and Kyle, and then I think Chris Bosh is a possible one, and I would say Kawhi because he only played one season will not. But um, I mean, I, I, I'm not. I, I don't feel very strongly about this, and I don't want to talk about this very long. But a guy comes in and wins wins you the title, wins Finals MVP. I mean, that's yeah. If, you, if that's a guy's good. the primary reason you've won the franchise is only championship. It's a, it's a it's certainly a good certainly a good argument, an and it wouldn't and it wouldn't shock me if he did, but. But anyway, back to Kyle. So the thing to say all this, the thing that makes Kyle's situation interesting is he's going to be a free agent in a few months when the season's over. And I think if you're the Raptors, to me, what this situation comes down to is two things. You have to decide how much of a chance do you have to make a run back to the conference finals or the finals with your current team. And you also have to weigh what are the chances that Kyle Lowry is going to be part of your team next season and beyond. And I think the answers to those questions determine whether you're going to trade him. The ironic thing is, despite Kyle still being an awesome player, I don't think them trading him from their current team dramatically changes their ceiling. I think if Kyle's on the team, they, you know, there's a good chance to get to the second round and lose. And I think if Kyle is traded, and it's because they'll, especially because they'll get some stuff back, they're either a tough first round out or maybe they squeak into the second round with the right matchup and lose. Yeah, so four teams I consider legitimate threats to win the East and the Raptors aren't one of them. Right. So, and I agree with you. So if and, you look and we at don't, it, I don't really think there's a trade they can make. That's all that's going to massively change that. It's not right. like there's a guy out there. They can get. And that was the thing I was going to say. I, I think if they can find an upgrade, I think it would make sense to keep Kyle and try to make a run with this group. Um, but I'm with you, Brian. I think because of the lack of options out there, I don't see that option materializing. And so then you have to sit and look at it and say, is it better for us to make a run here and see what happens with Kyle in the summer? Or if we think Kyle is leaving um, in free agency, do we try to cash him in for some young assets to go with uh, our young core of Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi going forward who are under contract for a long time? I mean, I think it, it may come down to what the package they can get. And McMahon... Listen, I Philly. Philly does have. They've got. You know, they can include some picks. And they've got some intriguing young players on that roster. So here's well, there's, two, well, there's two. Well, there's two teams. Before you even get to that, we, here we should lay out the situation. There's three teams that make sense for Kyle to be traded to. The Clippers. I think he would make a huge difference on all three. No question. The Clippers, the Sixers, and the Heat. Now we're going to take the Clippers out. The Clippers have no picks to trade. They have mostly they bad have salary four, to trade. They have a bunch of second round picks, but that's they have, not they good. Have, second right. round picks are not second round picks are not winning this this derby. And the, if the Raptors are just getting second round picks for Kyle, they're just going to hang on to them and, and see what they can do. So we're going to set the right. Clippers to the side. So the two teams that are left then who have the money 
and the assets to potentially get Kyle are the Sixers and the Heat. Now, the Sixers can trade Danny Green and Mike Scott as salary. They've got Tyrese Maxey, who's an interesting young guard, and they have all um, most of their picks going forward. They, they traded their they 2025 can, pick to get rid of Al trade, Horford. They can trade 21 and 23. They can trade 21 and 23 as long as 23 expires in 23. Um, and then the other team, the Miami Heat, does not have picks, but they have some interesting young players in Duncan Robinson and Kendrick Dunn, and most interestingly, Tyler Hero, which I think would be, and which would I think end up potentially being the thing that determines whether they get him or not, uh, is whether you're willing to put Tyler Hero in a trade, which is another reason why the next few weeks and what these teams do are going to be awfully interesting. They also have salary ballast they can trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, Myers Leonard, Kelly um, Olynyk, Andre Iguodala. Although Linux actually playing pretty well for him now. Yeah, it, you know, it would hurt them a little bit, but it, but yeah. Kyle Lowry is a huge... Oh, like, for sure. Think about Philly. I mean, think about Philly getting Kyle Lowry, a guy who can shoot, play off the ball, defend, um, Lead. veteran leadership. Uh, it's his hometown. Um, it's got a potential I mean, to be a Rasheed Wallace or the Pistons type move for a team. Uh, you know, and you know, <laughs> he's here comes James Harden for the game for the wait, wait a minute. Kyle Lowry just took a charge. I mean, you can yeah. see him making plays like that. He would solve uh, every question we have. He would answer every question people have about Philly. Every single one. Yeah. He, and he's, he, he solves he's, all their problems. And he's playing great this year. I mean, his, if you look at his numbers, he's he's having a great year. He's been awesome. He, and the other uh, thing is, like, from Kyle's standpoint, like, um, he doesn't probably want to sign for the mid-level next year. So like, yeah, he wants I mean, to go. So if he's getting traded, it's, it's, he wants to, he does not want to be a rental. He wants to go somewhere where his bird rights are meaningful. Right now. So like the, the connections in, in Los Angeles with the Clippers are very deep. The Clippers, I mean, we, we, we talked in this podcast about how the Clippers struggle in the clutch and don't have a, a, a guy to set them up. Can you imagine Kyle Lowry on the Clippers? I mean, he'd I be know. great, but that, but that's also not. I mean, people keep talking about I that. That's, that's not happening. I know. But by the way, he in just for the future, he has you know, he he has the same agent as Ty Lue and Chauncey Billups, and he's practically contemporaries with those he's, guys. He's not very, so much. He's he's very very close with both those guys personally, and he also Plus, is tight with Serge Ibaka, and he also got along very well with Kawhi when they were together in Toronto. Right. So that, that's not going to happen. I always but, throw the Denver Nuggets in the conversations just because I think they're a team that. You know, if if they make a a big move like that, they can still contend in the West. Um, this wouldn't be a put Michael Porter Jr. in the in the mix type of thing, but they can get there salary wise, and they've got picks. They do. Uh, I think they, their, their picks their, their pick situation is rough. I think they can only I, I, because I don't think like, Denver. I don't think Denver has the juice, and I'm not I'm not as sure Kyle would stay there, Tim. So I yeah. think that's. I think that's the, the other teams. I think would not have much trouble getting him to stay there, which I think is let me, part of the. Capital. Let me let me say, if you're Toronto and you're on the fence about this, which I can't see how they're not on the fence. Although Masai has fired Dwayne Casey when his coach of the year and traded Demar Derozan when he was one of the most popular players in franchise history, he's not afraid to make moves. And he's got incredible capital there. I mean. Really behind Greg Popovich and Pat Riley. I don't think anybody's got as much clout. Maybe Sam Presti, but Sam Presti doesn't have a title. Well, and look, that the, the DeMar DeRozan for Kawhi Leonard trade was a very controversial trade in Toronto when it was made. Like DeMar DeRozan was a beloved player there, and people were legit angry that he got traded for Kawhi Leonard. The, the, the team was legit angry. Right. They, you know, right. The players were mad. I mean, that that was a that was a trade. That trade, the DeMar DeRozan for Ka- Kawhi Leonard trade, was a much harder trade than this trade will be. If the Raptors make it, people might be upset, but they're going to well, understand why this trade was made as opposed to that one at the time where people were very mad that the market. Let me tell you what the, the issue is. Your issue is if you're trading him to Philly, you're trading him within your division. You could be seeing him in, in six or eight weeks in the playoffs and he could be taking charges That's right. against Pascal Siakam on the spin move because he knows every, you know, and so that, you know, by the way, that probably amps up the price a little bit, but if you're Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster and you can get, because remember Daryl Morey wasn't, I mean, who really, you know, only Daryl and, you know, Raphael Stone know exactly what the offer was at the, at the, at the buzzer, but you know, he, he didn't put it all in 
for, you know, he got he got out bid for Harden. Well, right? there's something to remember here. Daryl Morey, arguably Daryl Morey's favorite player in the NBA is Kyle Lowry. As much as James be, Harden, yeah. he he is a enormous fan of Kyle Lowry. But so, if they and, and he's also an enormous fan of making midseason trades, he doesn't care about that. That is, that is true. He's also an enormous fan of trading his picks. He doesn't care about that either. Right. That's right. So if if that's, you're that's if he's leaving the next year. Oh wait, he's going to be there for a while. <laughs> <laughs> if you're Masai Ujiri and you can get multiple picks, especially, I mean, I would ask for both firsts. Look, the trade I laid out, we had to do a thing this week. The trade I laid out was the Raptors ended up with, in a three-team trade, Andre Drummond, Tyrese Maxey, uh, this year's first from Philly, and the 23 first lottery protected from Philly because it has to expire. and That becomes two seconds if it expires. If you can get that package for Kyle Lowry, if you don't think Kyle Lowry's coming back to your team, I think clear, you have you, to make that trade. Just be clear because you rushed through it. Maxey? Maxi, Danny, so did what Danny Green and uh, and uh, Mike Scott would get rerouted to Cleveland. They would go to Andre they would Trump. go to they would go to Cleveland. They would go to Cleveland in the trade, and and Toronto would send out another small salary, and they would end up with Tyrese Maxey and Andre Drummond and two first round picks for Kyle. Do, do, you, and, do you think listeners of this podcast like uh, listen at half speed when Bon Tim's talks and like twice speed when I talk? It's possible. I did have a, a a friend of mine send me a uh, a picture of Bon Temps with a with one of those bubbles that comes out of his mouth, and it says "to your point." Dot dot dot. <laughs> uh, um, I like to give credit with love, and um, so just to be clear, the way you structured that second Philly pick, because this is the way a trade we get Philly because they owe the twenty twenty five pick to Oklahoma City. In 2023, they would trade their first round pick to Toronto. And if it doesn't convey, because I'm sure they protect it, they don't want to give a unprotected pick three years from now right. or two years from now. Um, if it didn't convey, they would convert to two second round picks. That's right. So in that in that particular scenario that you constructed, Toronto gets a center in Andre Drummond, who in theory could help them a little bit this year. And these and this young player Maxi, who they'll play some of in Lowry's minutes that he vacates, plus the draft assets. If he truly can do a trade like that, if that truly is on the table, whether Drummond is in there or not, how do you how do you not? Yeah, I mean, well, it, the it, only reason you don't do it is if Kawhi, if Kyle says I want to stay here long term, right. right? Then then I could say, hey, then you know, well, have are you signing him? Are you signing him to another? You know. He's not staying for five million. Well, no, I, I agree with that. But they also had designs of going after, you know, Giannis and Rudy Gobert and whatever star players are on the market, and all of them are off the board now, right? So the cap space they have is is a little more fungible than it was necessarily going to be before. So as opposed to a non fungible token, that's that um, is true. Uh, and if you're Miami, one of the things about Miami is that they're weighing as they look at trades. Uh, and and Miami is out there a little bit. As you talk to executives, you start you're starting to hear that Miami is making calls. I don't think I don't have a good feel like who their targets are, but you know I, Miami is starting to sniff around. They seem to be um, clearly looking for a Jay Crowder replacement, among other things, because they the the options they got, including Mo Harkless, have not uh, worked out so far to uh, fill in for Crowder's production in the bubble. And they're you know Miami's thing. Miami has two things they have to ask themselves. Number one. Duncan Robinson, what did Joe Harris get? Uh, four, 18? four, five four for 90. Se- I thought it was I four for 72. Yeah, it might have been four for 72. It was 18 a year, about, for okay. sure. Are you comfortable with paying Duncan Robinson 18 a year or even more? Because that's the going rate for him. All right. That's number one. And if you're if you are, then you keep him. And if you're not, you might consider trading him. Other thing is, how in love are you with, with Tyler Hero? Because if you think Tyler Hero is a future all-star, like he was showing in the bubble last year, then you can't trade him for Kyle Lowry, a guy in his 30s. Especially if you can sign Kyle Lowry next summer. Kyle Lowry, you may be able to sign with your cap space. Um, if you have watched him this now second year, although he's been in and out of the lineup with injuries this year, and you're like he's a good player, but he's not going to be an all star. Then you know, and we get Kyle Lowry. All of a sudden, we you know we put him next to Jimmy Butler, and bam, and that's you know gives us a chance to get back to the finals. Then that's a different story. But those are two big questions that the Heat have to answer, um, just as the Raptors have to answer what their direction that they're going. Oh, and, and, and part of the reason the Heat have to answer that, to your point, is they don't have 
uh, first round picks to trade. So they, if they're going to make trades, they have to trade with young players as opposed to picks. And they, you know, were in, they probably, they probably couldn't have made the Harden deal if indeed, you know, I mean, I don't know, McMahon. I heard what, what Raphael Stone said after they made the Harden deal where he described Listen, the value of the first-round picks. Yeah, the I don't know if, Miami, if the Sixers couldn't do it with Ben Simmons in there, Miami sure as hell couldn't. Okay, so, but the fact that they pulled out of that deal early and made it known that they were not bidding illustrated that at least in December and January, they valued Nunn and Robinson and Hero pretty pretty significantly that they weren't going to go down that road. So I don't know if that's if that hasn't changed with their coming cap space, you know, I don't know. As good as as Lowry would be there. I mean, what we've just talked ourselves into is that this is a Philly, this is a Philly trade to make, right? I mean, that's <laughs> been my that's been my my thought for months now has been if Kyle gets traded, Philly is the obvious landing spot. Yeah. I think it would make them the favorites to get out of the East and it would solve all of their potential problems and, and also and not, they've got an go aggressive general manager who was itching to upgrade the roster you know itching to make it a, a you know has a, a relationship really with the class. player yeah has, has a relationship with the player from houston and, and, and like you said and in this if, case it wouldn't have to give up nearly obviously he was you know i mean simmons plus is a huge price to give up uh but you know for harden but it's, it's not nearly as big a price for this no and if you and if you go from danny green if you basically take Danny Green out of Philly's rotation and insert Kyle Lowry, that's a pretty big upgrade. Yeah, yeah. And also, they're sitting there watching Brooklyn look really good, yeah. by the way. Mm-hmm. I know it's only been a couple of games, but Nick Claxton, uh, and if you don't know who that is, <laughs> you will. You know who he is if you're a Brooklyn fan. Yeah. Uh, he came back from – it was a knee injury, right, uh, Bontemps? Yeah, he's had exactly. uh, tendinopathy in his uh, in his left knee. Um, but he's yeah. a young, bouncy. He was a second round pick last year out of Georgia. He's a young, bouncy, athletic center, and he gives them some juice that they really need. Um, he's been very Wait. good. Basketball Reference says his nickname is the Slim Reaper. I guess if KD didn't want it, he could take it. That's interesting. Well, um, who's taller, him or KD? Um, but uh, he looked. He has looked, he's only been a couple of games, but he has looked great. And I'm just saying, if you're Philly and you're watching Brooklyn over there, and you know, you know, Brooklyn's going to get at least one more contributing yeah, piece. Right. Brooklyn will be, you know, Brooklyn and the LA's are the primary destinations for, for buyout guys, for sure. So, and Brooklyn uh, looks right. this good with, with KD, uh, you know, sitting on the sideline. I mean, you're incentivized to say maybe we could, even though Philly has been really good, you're incentivized to say we need to power up because Brooklyn looks mm-hmm. great. Um, all right. When you might never have Joel Embiid playing better than this either. I mean, it's 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 going to be it's going to be really interesting. To see what happens. Yeah. Keep an eye on Kyle Lowry. That is, it will not be the last time we have this discussion on our podcast. But uh, all right, thank you for listening to the Hoop Collective. Thank you to Bontemps. Thank you to McMahon. Appreciate you listening, and we will talk to you next week. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply.